But I'm getting really frustrated because I feel like I'm just floating around. Hey guys, I'm Michaela. And I'm Mariah. And welcome to It Burns in a Good Way, the podcast. A podcast all about things that burn in a good way most of the time. Things like student loans, working out, and the things we do to dull the pain. Join us every week where we cover the things that matter, the things that don't, and everything in between. Yeah, we did. I think that was my best one yet. I think so. It was wonderful. Wonderful. Mm, anyway. Today's like low energy, I feel like. Yeah. I yeah. am feeling it. And I'll, I'll talk about it, I think, in my like what burn for the week situation. Um, okay. But first, we have to cover the fact that we are not drinking alcohol for the first time on this podcast. Yeah. Um, this is not this is number nine, yeah. Yeah, number nine. And we thought, you know, we'd talk about religion and be completely sober. <laughs> you know? Because we really love we like ourselves. To torture ourselves. <laughs> we went from let's take shots during the religion episode to let's have nothing yeah (laughs) and it's it is mostly because i'm in the office um but i think that we can make the the tie that we're doing it out of respect for religion that we value it so high that we want to be as clear-minded as possible and we understand that many religions don't choose not to drink and so we also want to success it's so when we're recording this, it's August 29th. It's almost September, which means it's almost Labor Day. And I'm like, Labor Day is a good time for like a little mocktail situation, you know? Mm-hmm. End mm-hmm. of the summer, we need to bring in some mocktails that are fun and summery. And so we're doing just that and we're drinking a Shirley Temple. And I was telling mm-hmm. Michaela before this that I was going to wait and share this memory. But for those who don't know, a Shirley Temple is like, a clear soda. Okay. Take your pick. Seven up spray yeah. is usually the... so many things. Yeah. Do you know what's in yours right now? What's in your Shirley temple? Sprout. Sprite. Sprout. Jesus. You think I'm drunk, but I'm not. Sprite. Um, I have Sprite Zero in mine. Um, so I think we had a home, same difference and grenadine. And here's the thing. So growing up, I belong to a country club my parents belong to a country club which means Mm -hmm. I was like a cool country club kid who like Mm -hmm. played tennis poorly and played golf poorly and then I swam and I actually swam competitively so I I at least did one country club sport well and you know it was it was fun like we had a fun time but when we used to eat dinner at the club which is like this big fancy thing um I always got a Shirley Temple because I always thought people would just assume that there was alcohol in it. Oh you know? yeah. And I was like this 12 year old who's like, oh, don't tell anyone. This is and- like the <laughs> like I this is so not alcoholic. Like no, not at if all. If I but ever like- saw someone with the color this drink, I'd be like, yeah. oh. But my 12 year old heart was like, Yeah, I'm so cool. I'm getting a cool, fancy drink. And like as we got older in our teenage years, our parents used to let us go get dinner or like lunch or whatever in the actual club, like the nice restaurant by ourselves. And you just put the bill on the tab of the family. And so we like got to memorize our like bill. I wish I still remembered, but yeah, so it's kind of nostalgic for me to be drinking Shirley Temple. And I'm excited that we're including a mocktail 
and we'll be including more. I'm kind of hoping we can find some really cool creative ones in the future. Yeah, this was like, no offense, but like this was like the least creative mocktail we ever could have thought of. But like, it's been a rough week. So this was all that our little brains could put together. And it's pretty fucking delicious. So I'm not mad about it. But there is room for improvement in terms of, of our creativity in our mocktails. Yeah, I agree. I think too, like, you know, if we're going to record once a week, which is our goal in life, we record on Monday nights, not every Monday is going to be magical. Like, and I feel like as we continue to post these and people get to know us as people, you're going to hopefully realize that like, yes, we're people and not every, every week are we super excited to like, have these, you know, in-depth conversations or like just running low on, on energy. And like today is one of those days for me at least. And it's just been a lot. Like, I don't know if we talk about like what burned this week, like a a lot of stuff. Should we just jump into that? (laughs) Yeah. 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 I think so. I think, you know, life is hard right now. (laughs) I, Al and I moved six weeks ago. And I guess at this point, I thought that Chicago was going to feel more like home by this point. And for me, it hasn't felt like that yet. Like we haven't really met any friends necessarily yet. We have each other, which is great, but like we don't have anywhere else to like go besides our work. And one thing about like my Salt Lake City life was that we had built-in friends because we came in in a grad program. So it was like, here, all of you are going to be miserable for the next four years, be friends with each other. And so we did. And then I just stumbled across the yoga studio and that became like a big rooting mechanism for me. So whenever I like look at life or like talk to people, I talk to them about like what keeps them rooted because that was a huge goal of mine coming to Salt Lake. I wanted to build lifelong friendships and like I did that. I wanted to to put roots down in Utah. And that's why it's made it so hard to leave. And so now I'm I feel like I'm actively trying to put roots down in Chicago and nothing is sticking. Like I have gone to these yoga studios that I thought I was going to be able to transfer to. For those who don't know, I've been a yoga teacher for 3 years and um I teach at a studio that is a national chain. And so it's easy for me well, it was supposed to be easy for me to transfer to Chicago and teach at one of the studios. There's so many here. And so I went to one and I met with someone and she was like, yeah, I'll send your stuff along. And that was three and a half weeks ago. And then I had an email from another manager of two other studios who was like scouting me, emailing me, asking to like have an interview. And then she wanted to do a first round phone interview after 9 p.m on a Thursday night. And I was like, Hey, so I don't really want to do that. And also mind you, she didn't actually say she wanted to do it after nine. She just messaged me or emailed me at seven 45 saying, can we hop on the phone tonight? And then at eight 45, I still hadn't heard from her after I responded. Sure. Uh Let me know what time and gave her my phone number. So she She never responded. Super unorganized. Yeah. So then I emailed her at 845 and I was like, hi, I'm so sorry, but I have an early morning tomorrow, which was Friday morning. And I was like, I 
I'm going to be stepping away from my technology at 9 p.m. Let me know if you're free tomorrow. I'm free after 10 a.m. If you want to give me a call. She never called me. She never responded back to my email. I haven't heard anything since. And then today I was really excited because I had found a local studio that isn't a national chain. It's a local studio. And I went to take class tonight because it's the only studio around me that I found that teaches yoga in a similar fashion to what I teach, which is hot power vinyasa sculpt yoga. Um, for people who aren't yogis, that doesn't make any sense, but like people who are, they get it. So it's a very specific type of yoga classes. And so I want to teach yoga sculpt. I want to teach power vinyasa, whatever. So I go to this class and I was really excited. I'm taking it with the manager. She seems like really nice. She actually got her certification from the national chain that I got mine from, but hers was back in like 2014, 2015. And I really, really, really wanted to like it. And I didn't really like it. And it made me really sad. And I just feel like I keep swinging and I keep missing. And like, so I don't really know what to do at this point, but I'm getting really frustrated because I feel like I'm just floating around and I'm also working from home. I don't have an office at the university yet. So I haven't really been around the university. I've been to campus to teach one time. I teach on Tuesdays. So I'll teach again tomorrow, but I feel super disconnected from that. And I'm at home all day alone and like, So I'm just kind of like floating around and I'm not enjoying it. (laughs) And so everything is just kind of burning right now. You're so early on in your move though. Like it's been what, six weeks? Yeah. I know. I know. I know. I know it's not long enough, but yeah, it's just, and it's, it's hard. And like Al and I have had conversations about it because something else I also have been really focusing on is not comparing the end of my experience somewhere with the beginning of Uh, my experience somewhere else, which I think people really struggle with. When -hmm. you transition, I think everybody compares the end of something really good with the beginning of something new. And it's never the same. And it's a big letdown. Like it's a big disappointment, but knowing that that's how it is, I think makes it better, but it's still hard to work through. You're just like, you don't have a like, solid routine yet and you're gonna yeah I hope so give it girl give it six months like for you to like really be in like the swing of things and to like really fully feel like Chicago is is home and that like you know the town and that kind of thing yeah it's it's like you're in, still in transition like you're still very very much in transition right now and that's a really uncomfortable feeling yeah, it's okay. I mean, we're working through it, but everything just feels like yeah. up in the air. And just like not, ro- yeah, it just, I, I don't feel rooted, but I did find a therapist. So oh, I haven't, we haven't met. I haven't even asked for an appointment, but I know she's taking new clients and she works on or works on, works with patients on <laughs> things that, that I need to work on. So hopefully that will work out and hopefully I'll be able to start going to therapy in September, which I think will also support me. Um, yeah. and that's where we are. So yeah, Good. the future is bright. I think so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You go. Okay. Um, I have a, a story. So I moved this weekend and I don't have Wi-Fi in my house, which is why I'm in my office right now recording this. Um, and so because of that, I have plenty of things to choose from for my burn. But I have a really fun story of the eventful evening that I had last night. So it was at the very end of moving things over. 
And I had a couple like little things left in my old apartment. And I was at a point where like there were like little trickling things. And so I was putting them in trash bags because I didn't have any like boxes left and I didn't want to like go get a whole box. So I had a couple like three or four big black trash bags. And they were little things like soap that I wanted to like clean the apartment with. And when I was done, I just threw it in there. Or like my furniture was the last to move. So I slept through, like I was sleeping in there. And so I also had like my toiletries, all my skincare and like just like minimal makeup that I would throw on and like my toothbrush and toothpaste. And then like little extra pieces of clothing that like I wasn't moving over. So I had this trash bag filled with that stuff and I moved it over to my new apartment. So I threw one of the bags on the front door and I was like, if I go inside, I'm going to like sit down and like wait 10 minutes and, and, and like lollygag. So I'm just going to go run and, and do a couple more things. So I set it on the front door and I leave and I go back and I get some more stuff and I bring it back and I come back and the trash bag's gone and my roommate's in there. So I was like, I was like, oh, he like, he probably brought it in and I didn't like think anything of it <laughs> and I kept going on with my day moved everything else by the evening everything was in and I was like I I took a shower and you know right after you took a shower I like put deodorant on and I took a shower and I was like oh I don't know where my deodorant is it's in my uh, toiletries bag that I put in one of these trash bags mm-hmm. and I was like but I I just unpacked all of those and I didn't see it And so I was like, I must have like put it somewhere. And so I was looking all over. I went out to my car. I was like, maybe because I I put some stuff in my car. So I was like, maybe I accidentally put it in the car. And it occurred to me that my apartment, my new apartment complex has valet trash. So you're supposed to put your trash back on your front door and people will come by and pick it up and throw it away for you. And I went back in and I looked at my roommate, Jonathan, and I was like, I I think that they threw my my trash bag away. I was like, I was like, did you not bring in a trash bag? And he was like, what are you talking about? And I was like, I was like, what do you mean? What am I talking about? You brought it in, right? And he's like, no, I didn't do anything. And so then he looked at me and he was like, they threw away your stuff. And I was like, oh my god, what do I do? And he looked at me and he goes, you want to go dumpster diving? Oh my god. That, do they that, does valet trash throw your trash bags in your own dumpster I, uh, so that's what i asked i was like i didn't know that can i just do that like i don't know why they right. even have that to be honest yeah but, uh, and that's kind of what i said i was like like wouldn't they like put it on their own dumpster and like take it out like right. i don't know what how any of this works and he's like yeah we'll find out so he like goes and he like gets his headlamp so he has his oh my god <laughs> and then we both like go out let me tell you, this is a big complex. So there, yeah. there's tons of dumpsters. There's oh, one no. that's recycling, and then there are some that are like on one side, and then there are some on the other. And we are digging through the dumpster. Ew. It was disgusting. Ew. We didn't find it, and oh. we couldn't find it. And then we like figured out that there are like these like in the parking garage, these like big like closets, and you open the door, and then there's like huge dumpsters just filled. Mm trash and we're like we didn't even know those were there so we started looking through them didn't find them i i 
look over and there's another like closet thing and it's completely closed. And I was like, okay, you go through that one and I'll go through this one. And I like open the, the big doors and there's this, this dumpster and I'm like, okay, here I go. And I start walking <sighs> in and all of a sudden I look over and there's this man sitting in between the wall and the dumpster and he's looking at me and he goes, hi. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> Out. I would have peed my pants. Oh my god! I I, I freaked out. Jonathan was like, "I know it's gross. Like, I know it's gross, but it's fine." And I was like, "No, there's a man right there." And he like looked over and he was like, "Okay." And then we both just started walking away. Long story short, we figured out that there is a trash chute in our building, mm-hmm. and we didn't know that. Which mm-hmm. I don't know why we have valet. I can just walk down the hall and dump it. So yes. we found the shoot and then we found, we found my stuff. Thank fucking God. I'm amazed that you found it. I, I'm shocked. I, 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 oh my God. Also, Miracles do did happen. you ask that man what he was doing in there? Did it look like he was living in that closet? I think he was sleeping. I think that's what he, where he was sleeping. And the and, closet is to the outdoors. Like you're outside. He didn't like go yeah. in the building and go into it. Wow. And I, <laughs> I would have sh- my pants. It was so scary. And so scary. He, was, he was just like, hi. Like, he wasn't, like, mean <laughs> or, like, weird about it. But he was like, sorry. Alice scared like, me the other night sorry. while I was in the bathroom. And we live in the same apartment. And I know she's here. I couldn't imagine opening a door and seeing a stranger when you expected to see a dumpster full of trash. Oh, God. It was. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I did. And I was That's like, I'm done. I was like, I'll just buy new things. And I was just thinking, like, I had just bought new skincare. Yeah. I had my prescription acne medication in there. My toothbrush, I have like a sonic toothbrush that my parents got me for Christmas. That's like $200 or something. So I was like. Awesome bonding experience for you and your new roommate. It was like, we looked at each other. Like when we got it, I was like, best first night in an apartment ever. That sounds like the the plot of a new girl episode that like would have existed like nick and jess would have like gone dumpster diving for jess's trash bag yeah. full of shit that she really needs that's that's exactly what it is it and they find a man in a closet yep oh my god i should start a sitcom about my life yeah that's wonderful i'm so glad you had that experience and i'm so glad you found all your stuff because that's Thank very you. expensive and it's hard to replace and i would have i would have just given up i built a lot of character um, I took like three showers. I was gonna say, did you shower uh, again after yeah. since you had just showered? <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. Well, all in all, really wholesome story. Yeah. You know, memories. You know, it's all about memorable experiences in life. Hell yeah! And now you're super close with your roommate. You went yeah. monster diving together. We've bonded. That's for yeah. sure. Okay, so today we are talking about a very serious topic, okay? It's very serious business. (laughs) And once again, a topic that we have zero expertise in, (laughs) but we have a lot of opinions (laughs) that we may or may not share. Does that sound accurate? Yeah, sounds like us. Perfect. Okay, and that topic, as judging by the title, you probably already know, and if you made it this far, then you're committed to hearing our opinions about religion and or spirituality or just religion. Sure. Okay. We don't know. Throw it all in there. 
we are raw dogging it. One of my favorite things to do. Yeah. Listen, I feel like we now have all of these different sayings that we say in our podcast by episode nine. We have so many things. We have the rent the runway plug. We have raw dogging. Yeah, we haven't done that yet. No. Um, what's okay. the thing that you always say? Oh, it's popping off. Popping off, you know? So those three things are really, we're branding the podcast in the best way we can. <laughs> we already have inside jokes. <laughs> you know, if only they were more mature or less embarrassing. Yeah. yeah. But that's not what you get with us. So, okay. So here is how we came to to this topic or, or why we want to talk about it. Um, Mikhail and I both have interesting and different experiences with religion. And also I just have felt like society as a whole is really intrigued with religion, specifically like the religions that we deem to be like weird. Right. And we both lived in Utah or still live in Utah. So we've been around LDS culture and Mormon culture. We talked about it in our Utah episode, but also like there's been so many documentaries and TV series about like Mormonism and cults and, um, like, I don't know, like so many religious adjacent things in our media landscape. And then also in like TikTok, people are talking about religion, whether they are or are not religious and what that means. Like I know there's been quite a bit of content out on like Orthodox Judaism and that experience. And then people who have religious trauma and leaving the church and Catholicism and all the different kinds of topics and religions that we can cover. Um, so we're going to talk about our experience with religion and kind of where we're at now. Um, and as we go, I'll kind of sprinkle in some, some fast facts. Yeah. So my, uh, grandparents on both sides, uh, were pretty Catholic, like quite Catholic. And so were my parents definitely like probably a watered down version of, of my grandparents, I think as most like generational things do, um, and so I grew up going to the Catholic church every Sunday. Um, when I was a kid, I'll never forget always having to put tights on and I hated wearing tights with a passion. Um, so that's like a core memory that I have, but I would always dress up for, for church and we went every Sunday and I was never a morning person. So I hated when we had 9 a.m. mass and that kind of thing. Um, and then my parents had both my sister and I get confirmed in the church. And I think they've changed the age so that you're younger now. But I think I was like 13 or 14 when I got confirmed. Um, and I also did all of like the first communion and all of the other things that you go through. Um, and I would go to, it was every Wednesday, I would, went to, I would go to like the class from a kid, not just like when I was like doing confirmation. I, was, I would do that always. And I remember I had friends that I had school with um, that were in the class. They were my best friends ever. And so that's the only reason why I looked forward to it. Otherwise, it was just like stodgy old people talking about things that didn't make sense to me. So like, I really didn't care. And then as I got older, their family kind of went away from the church. And so it was just me. And um Again, it was just like always old stodgy people talking about like rules and things that we should do and things that we shouldn't do. And I was like, this isn't fun. Like uh, rules, it's just more rules that we have to have. 
Um, so it, it never really intrigued me. And then as I got older, getting closer to like confirmation, I really started like disliking it even more and just not really fully understanding like why, like why we were doing this. And I asked, I asked my mom, I was like, do I have to do this? Like, why, why do I have to do this? And she was like, we just ask you that you get confirmed and go through this process, do what you need to do. And then after confirmation, we are happy to let you decide like what you want to do for like your religion. Like if you want to keep going to church, we would love for that to happen. If you want to stop going to church, we won't make you to go to church and all that kind of thing. So I was like, that seems fair. So I went ahead and went through it. Um, it's interesting that like the Catholic churches so it's so fucked up like there are so many things fucked up yeah the catholic church it's baffling to me but they are dramatic as hell and like i kind of love it (laughs) like (laughs) the church that we went to was big and beautiful and like there were like grounds and it was just theatrical and like the christmas mass was always like beautiful and, and and um they're very into like ceremony and that kind of thing. And so while I really dislike the Catholic church so much, um, I found entertainment through that. I think that's important. I think this is one of the things that I think I don't have a beef. I mean, I do, I have many beefs with religion and churches and I, this is one of my like things that intrigue me. Right is the way that we talking like us centric churches present religion and religious experiences to the world. And I think probably that Catholic church was like ahead of its time because now I feel like it's non-denominational Christian churches or like when I talk about my experience, I'll talk a little bit about this church I went to in high school and college, which was like huge, not a non-denominational, like what are they called? like mega mega churches. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it was a mega church. And I think that like the grounds, right. Of your church and the big opulence of the Catholic church, part of that is like a spectacle and it makes you feel like Mm -hmm. you should have certain experiences there. And I think that happens in like mega churches now where it's like this big stage and all of these light shows Mm -hmm. and like the fact that they play like movie clips and like play this music that I'm pretty sure like it has been argued in literature, like in academic literature, that Christian music is planned and sequenced in a way to make you have a certain visceral reaction to Mm -hmm. it. And it's like, makes you feel like you're connected to God. But in reality, it's like music and theming. It's an experience that you're having. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense as like a child and a teenager that you would be like, oh, this is cool. Like it's a, I mean, it's like an interesting place to be. Exciting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's theatrical. And I think from like a mega church point of view, it is theatrical. Like it's a concert. Mine was theatrical. Like I was like, and a really like dark Disney world or something. (laughs) They just didn't do anything like low key. And I value that. Like, I appreciate that. So that was really interesting. Um, I got confirmed and then I was like, I'm done with this. Um, I should also point out that I grew up in Colorado Springs, which is one of the most religious, not not Mormon, obviously, but very, very conservative, very Christian centered town. Um, 
and it showed like we had um I think they did like Young Life Young Life was so huge at my high school and then they also did like C3 or something I don't know what that stood for I'm sure I like I could make a guess but um they had all of these like more centered towards like mega church style type type things um or was they were trying to like make Christianity cool Mm -hmm. um for like young people and I had tons of friends who were into young life and um the thing that they had on my school so we our school had like every Wednesday we had like a late start so school Mm -hmm. started like an hour later to help like teachers do admin or something and I didn't have a car and I couldn't drive so the bus system like was normal so I'd always get to school an hour early on Wednesdays and they had um, meetings on Wednesday mornings during that hour and they provided free breakfast so you bet my ass was in <laughs> those Christian meetings every Wednesday because I wanted a donut okay yeah. and so I would sit there and eat my donut and these like same thing old people were talking about like how can we like get closer to God and blah 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 and I'm just like and everybody like shares their answer and I'm just like nodding like yeah <laughs> pass like I don't need to share but like you guys go and I think like after a certain amount of time they like realized that I was only there for the food and they can't kick you out you know like yeah how bad would that look um and I'm trying to remember like I just didn't really pay too much attention about like the controversial things like I know that they talked about sex mm-hmm. you remember what they said I, I th- and they always do it in such a roundabout way where yeah. they don't like flat out say hey this is what you need to be doing they do it in a way that's like we all want to preserve our bodies and, like, yeah purity like culture that. shit yes exactly yeah. um by the way just in case you're curious c3 started as christian city church um, and it was a small, that's like what the name was. That's how they got three C. Then they came up with this thing called three C church global, where they had this plan in the nineties to plant 10 churches in 10 cities around the world. Now today there's over 500 C3 churches, um, in 64 countries, which is just asinine. Um, and Super wild, but that is where C3 came from. So that makes sense that it was a huge thing in your school because apparently it's like a giant mega church taking over the whole entire world with 500 different places or 500 different churches. So just in case you're curious. I'm glad I ate their breakfast. Yeah. As you, yes. Yeah. They're serving the people. They can serve you breakfast. Yeah. You know? All right. Continue. Um, That's a great fact. Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. I... Went into college not caring about religion. I didn't really think much of it. I didn't really care. My parents made me go on Easter and Christmas when I go. And then I started dating that one guy um, in California. And he was, like, atheist through and through. And he really made me, like, he he did a great job of, like, having really fulfilling conversations with me about, like, what is religion and, like, like really questioning it and, and seeing both sides of it. And I think that's... I, I think that organized religion is incredibly toxic. However, I, I think that humans latch on to groups and communities and religions do a really great job of that. And so if somebody is like really, really down, they can find happiness in religion. And I think that's 
nice. Um, I think that's a small win in a really big issue overall. Um, but it's good that they like find happiness and comfort in that. Um, I think that religion is and its effect on like government and society is incredibly problematic. And I think that's my biggest qualm with the Mormon church. Um, seeing it, how there is not really separation from church and state that doesn't, they like to think that it does, but it's, it's not. Um, and then there's also like the other side of things like Scientology and how they're like scamming our government out of like millions of dollars of tax dollars. And like, we're I also, forgot like, to include Scientology in our list of waves. media spectacles, That's because I feel like, like there's so many, um, TV shows and documentaries God. about Scientology. I hate Scientology. You <laughs> me riled up. Let's talk about fucking Scientology. That's such a bullshit thing. And I think it's way more of a cult than it is a religion. Like, they think it's a religion, but it's really not. I get it. I get the qualms. I get the like experiences. Actually, I feel like our initial upbringings into religion are very similar because I was also raised Catholic. My father's family grew up in an extremely small town. They were poor. Um, they grew up in a town of like 800 people and they were extremely Catholic. My father went to Catholic school his entire life until college. Um, it was a very big deal to like his family and his mom and his, his dad. And then when my parents got married, my mother, um, changed from Methodist to Catholic. That was like okay. a requirement for, for her. Mm-hmm. And she, my, my mom's family, to my knowledge, like they're all Christian. They all believe in God and they grew up Methodist, but like, they weren't super into religion. Like it wasn't a huge deal for my mom to, being Catholic. Um, and so my sister and I were raised Catholic. I also was baptized and did first communion and all that stuff. And then, um, confirmed in eighth grade also. I, yeah, I think they do it like differently now, but back then I did it in eighth grade. Um, and then my parents immediately got divorced. (laughs) Like I got confirmed and then it was like, cool. And I went to RE too. I went to religious education also on Wednesdays. We used to, my parents, when my parents were married, we used to go to church at 5 p.m. on Saturday nights. So didn't have to deal with the morning stuff, which is nice. Yeah. Then we'd always go get like pizza after. So we'd like go out to dinner. Um, and I like served at mass. Um, Palm Sunday. I did too. I totally <laughs> forgot. I was an altar server. I think I blocked Love that it. memory out of my life. Yeah, you should. Um, because yeah. it was mortifying for me. And one Palm Sunday, it was so hot that I passed out on oh. the altar and oh almost God. knocked the wine oh. off. Yeah, it was bad. Um and we still went to pizza after oh, you better know I got out of church and pizza. got pizza. so solid. Um, but yeah, Palm Sunday that it was so hot in there. And I was like fanning myself with the program. And all AC. of a sudden I was on the floor and I was like, cool. I'm sure we had AC, but our, our church, our Catholic church was not like yours. It was small. Um, yeah. they were like, I mean, there were grounds, but like, it was kind of just like an old school Catholic church, kind of smaller though, not like cathedral like. Um, so it wasn't super interesting to look at, but that is where we went. And my parents got divorced. And then they basically said, my sister doesn't have to get confirmed anymore because, um, some leadership in the church had passed away and new leadership basically went to my mom and was like, Oh, your husband left you. So you can't be Catholic anymore. You're not welcome in our church. Yeah. Yeah. 
So the deacon, the new deacon at the time, we had actually followed the old deacon from like a big fancy church downtown to this smaller church when he transferred over because we had also moved to like a nearby neighborhood. So it was closer for us anyway. And then he passed away. And then the new guy came in and was like, oh, you're unmarried. You're divorced. Like maybe not come. Um, fun fact, they still send my mom mail asking for money. But anyway, so that happened. So then basically what happened after that is like my mom stopped going to church. It was like a whole thing. And then my father started going to a Lutheran church, which is where the mega church comes in. Mm-hmm. My mother's brother and his wife. So my aunt and uncle got married in a really small Lutheran church, um, with this pastor named pastor Mike, pastor Mike just like blew up. This church grew before anyone like knew what a mega church was like my aunt and uncle got married in like 2001, 2002. And by 2006, this church was like huge. They had in 2014, I should have looked this up before. It was like 2014, 2015. They had to have one of their Christmas masses downtown in the stadium where like our state basketball tournament is and where they have these giant concerts. There was like 13,000 people. Like it was a, it's a huge thing. So yeah. So my father started going to this Lutheran church. Mm-hmm. So then I started going to the Lutheran church every once in a while, because I have one of those like moments where like all the songs are playing and the people yeah. are talking about stuff that connects to you. And my only experience was I didn't learn shit in Catholic mass. To me, there was no comfort in Catholic mass. I never understood. Like I've talked to people who are still Catholic today and they like the ritual nature. Like they like that. It's the same thing. My sister and her fiance go to church every single week. They're Catholic. They're getting married in a Catholic church. It's like what they do. They like that stuff. I Mm -hmm. didn't get it. I don't understand why they say the things that they do. If someone's going to give me a message, I need it to be in a contemporary manner. That's like, yeah, what I had experienced. And so when I went to this Lutheran church, I was like, oh my God, I'm Lutheran now. Like I'm non-denominational Christian. I, cause like yeah. somebody I felt like actually was talking to me and the way they had mm-hmm. music going and all that stuff, it makes you oh, feel certain things. Yeah. And when you're like 15 and you're like emotionally yeah. charged anyway, and you're like, cool, this guy gets me and there's all these people. And so I started going to that church and then all my friends in high school went to a Lutheran Bible camp in the summer and I didn't want to be Mm -hmm. left out. So for three years, I think I went to Lutheran Bible camp. You stayed a whole seven days in a cabin with a bunch of girls. It was a drama fest and they did one of the most traumatic things ever, which is like the last second to last night, they have this like play where they play out Jesus's entire life basically And it's like this emotionally charged, like you have like 10 year olds to 18 year olds in this room. I don't know if like, maybe not 10 year olds, maybe 12 to 18. Like it's a bunch of preteens and teens bawling our eyes out as these like 20 to 35 year olds put on this show. And then they want to pray with you after. And you go like privately with these like older people where you are like bawling and traumatized. And it took me to my second time going where I was like, why are you all bawling? This is totally like a made up play that they're doing to like pull emotion out of you and like take advantage of you and like make you feel certain things that like you don't need to feel. 
and like making you feel like you're having these revelations and like being close to God. When in reality, you're literally, they're literally detailing the death of Jesus Christ, like the death of a person, which is traumatizing in and of itself being hung on a fucking cross in this room with all these lights and this loud music. And like, there was one year where it was like a dance paint contemporary thing. So they were like throwing paint and like dancing around. And all of this music was like really emotionally charged. And like, I looked up and I was like, why are you all bawling? This is so messed up. Like what is going on? I'm like 17. I'm like, this is really messed up. And no, I don't want to go with a 32 year old man into a corner and pray with him after that is also messed up. Like, I don't want any of that, you know? And so, yeah. And so that was like a really weird experience for me, but all my friends really wanted to go. So I still wanted to go because I didn't want to be left out. And so we would go. And of course these girls who went to this Lutheran Bible camp, like they're not like Christian, like, no, they're like going to hang out with their friends and not have to stay with their parents for seven days in the summertime and go to a pool and like do crafts and meet boys, you know? Yeah. And then, so I kind of fell away from it for a little while and then went to college and in college, they had like a youth group thing and I joined a sorority and a bunch of girls wanted to go. So I started going, I did like a weekly Bible study. I tried really hard, but like every time I talked about something, I didn't know if it was because I actually felt that, or if I thought that is what I'm supposed to say in a Bible study group. Like, this is what they want me to say. This is how they want it to go. And like, if I want to feel included, I have to share like these stories that I maybe don't feel like are like callings from God, but I need to say it anyway. And like all the time I would cry. And I don't know if it's because I was uncomfortable or or, like, Mm. because I was like connecting to God, you know, it was like this fucked up like thing. And, And everybody else was like, so into God. And I was like, I don't get this at all. Like, I don't understand what you're doing. (laughs) So that was really weird. And then, so I kind of stopped going to church. And then when I started my master or my, sorry, my, um, PhD, Ryan and Zach, like our best friends Mm -hmm. went to church and they came from Georgia, small town. I'm not going to speak for them. If we have another conversation about religion, we should invite them and talk to them about it. But basically Mm -hmm. what had happened was they were really looking for a church home and whatever. And I was like, I'll start to go to church again with people that I trust and we'll see what happens. My Mm -hmm. mom had called me and was like, I know this guy who works for us. And like he, when he's out in park city, he goes to this church and they have a connected one in salt Lake. So you should go. So we went and it was a whole thing. And then I came out and Mm -hmm. slowly stopped going Mm -hmm. because the response, not from not everyone, But a lot of people who were religious had a lot of things to say about me and Mm -hmm. my quote unquote life choices. And so that I think ultimately was like the straw that broke the camel's back, like between my mom being uninvited to the Catholic church and like the messed up things that I saw at Bible camp and like the things I was reading about what was going on with the Catholic church at the time, I was obsessed with that movie about the Boston globe reporters. Oh um, yeah. Spotlight. Yeah. Yeah. So I like love spotlight. I went to my undergrad to be a journalist. So I was like really into <gasps> spotlight yeah. and like all of that stuff. That. And so I was already really questioning religion. And then we moved to Utah and I come out and I'm also seeing all of these Mormon folks and like learning about what it means to be in the Mormon religion and realizing mm-hmm. like, 
all the things that they say about me and the queer community. And it just was like too much. Like I had people in my family say like, I'm cool if you're gay, but don't have kids because it's bad. Like it's terrible for them. And like, um, I had someone in my family say, I hope that I change my mind and marry a man before I die. So I don't go to hell. Like it's just, you know, it's like, that's not God's plan for you. I'm like, how, who the fuck are you to speak about God's plan for me? That's, that's it. It's like, you can't just shut up about it. Like just, you you don't need to comment. No, like don't speak for God. Like, and I just, so long story long, like I just feel like there's been too many things in my world and in my life experiences that have taught me that I don't have a place and I don't want a place in organized religion. Like I'm not at all interested in going to a church. If I have to go to a church for something, like obviously I'm going to go stand up at my sister's wedding and like be the maid of honor in this Catholic church and do whatever. Yeah. When her kids get baptized. Great. Will I be able to be their godparent in a Catholic church? Probably not. I don't know the rules of that, but I just like, I, if I have to go, I will go because I'm going to support everyone else's religion, but I have no interest in that. And I used to say like, I'm not a religion person. I'm a God person. And now I don't even know if I'm a God person to be completely honest. I was waiting to ask you this. Do you believe in God? I don't know. (laughs) I used to, I used to, I used to believe in God and I used to believe in religion because I totally get your statement that like religion brings people together and community. And that was one of my mom's concerns because recently I had just talked to her about like the fact that Al and I aren't getting married in a church. We have no interest in doing that. We're also not getting married by like a church figure. Um, Zach is marrying us. And then also if we have kids, they probably won't be baptized. And my mom was concerned that if our kids don't grow up in a church, how are they going to find community? Which I think is a con- it's not a valid concern necessarily, but it makes sense for her life because I think what you said is right. A lot of people use religion to find community. Even like Glennon Doyle talks about like how joining a church with her husband and stuff when they had a little baby was like really healing for her, even though she is who she is now. Like I get that, but I think there are other ways to build community besides religion and our kids don't need to grow up in a church to feel loved by a community. And like, that's one thing that I think like my straight parents won't ever get is like the queer community is a community and like we have like the most loving community yeah yeah Yeah. we have people in our corner just like you would if you went to church I mean I never as a kid I never felt like my church was like my community ever either that's like a thing that churches do to draw people in right it's like free coffee sometimes we have like right breakfast they'll be like cookies or muffins or whatever daycare for your children and you have an hour where you can sit and listen to an adult talk yeah like I could I get that that. yeah Yeah. like I get that and so obviously with last week's episode we know like I'm probably leaning into the no kids at all kind of camp but I just don't I don't see myself doing organized religion ever again I also I I talked to Ryan about this a couple years ago and I think, like I said, it'd be really cool if we did another episode on this and got her perspective, because I think her beliefs um, may have shifted over the last four years, like That's moving from question. Georgia, yeah. yeah, moving from Georgia to like 
experiencing new people and like being friends with queer folks, like having deeper connections with like people who are different than you, does that like impact your religion um, and your religious beliefs? Probably. And in my everyday rhetoric, I stopped saying God a lot. And I started saying like universe because, and we've had this conversation, like I definitely think there's something else out there. I just don't know what it is. And I want to believe that there's like a heaven, but I don't know if it's like to comfort myself, which if it is, that's still valid. Like that's still fine. But like, I still like talk to someone every night before I go to bed because in religious education, they used to teach us that God wouldn't let you fall asleep until you prayed. And so I started praying when I was like 12 every single night before I went to bed. And I still have a little thing that I say in my brain every night before I go to bed because is that it? is oh, how no. in my head, oh, I don't care. It's oh, like, okay. um, I usually, I used to say, thank you, Lord. I used to say, thank you, Lord for this day. Um, please protect my mom, my dad, my family, my grandparents, whoever was like in my life at the time. Um, and then I used to say like, I pray for like good things for them and also good things for like my enemies. I was like 15 being like my enemies. I pray for good things for you. And I'm like, okay. And then I would say like, in your name, I pray. Amen. Now I just basically have like a gratitude speech that I say in my head every night before I go to bed, which is just like, you know, thank you for this day. I'm so grateful. I got to do X, Y, Z. Um, I pray that the people that I love sleep well or whatever it is Mm -hmm. changes sometimes, but I will literally, I mean, there have been times where like my little voice in my head is like, why it's 1115. Why haven't I fallen asleep? And it's like, did you pray? (laughs) Interesting. That's so interesting. Yeah. That stuck with you. Yeah. It was. And so, yeah, now it's turned into like a gratitude practice, which I appreciate, but like, it's definitely detached from religion a little bit more. I definitely still think that there's like a plan for everything. It helps me manage my anxiety to be like, yeah, everything's planned out. Everything that is meant to come for me, like won't pass me by. Right. And, but I don't know if that's like God's doing or something else. So how do you feel about that? Um, I am agnostic as fuck. Like, I love the idea of there being something else out there, but in no way in hell will I ever know that there is, unless I die and, like, go meet them. And maybe that'll happen. But until then, I'm so comfortable with hoping like you said, hoping that there's a heaven, hoping that there's some kind of like positive afterlife. I'm so okay with like there, the possibility of there not being a God, but also the possibility of there being a God or some kind of deity or like spirit beyond just like our physical world. And and I, I don't know why, but that's something that like, uh, it doesn't bother me. Like it doesn't keep me up at night. And I think it's maybe because like, I was potentially more disassociated with the church than maybe you were. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that something that's kind of part of my personality is that like I go into everything that I do neutral Mm -hmm. and I'm like, I I don't always react on emotion. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that a lot of the church relies on that for my personality it just never really resonated with me the experience that you described of like all of your friends were like crying and you were like what is like that has been me every single when 
when anything come, came up with religion has just been like, what is everybody talking about? Like, why are we like, it just never connected with me. So yeah, um, I'm really comfortable with being open to the idea that there is something. And I, and I think that I wish that more people were, um, I think that it can be uncomfortable not knowing and that it's interesting that I am comfortable because I, I really hate not knowing things. One of the things that I like to do is like label things that happen and give reasoning behind things, especially like from a psychology point of view. But this is the one thing that I'm like, I'll never know. So why am I going to keep trying? Yeah. There's got to be a little bit of peace in, in not trying to explain everything about our existence. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and I do kind of wish that more people would be okay with that. Cause I, I think that there is just like a level of like, just calmness that it has brought me once I kind of realized. And, and I think people sometimes think that like I'm atheist and, mm-hmm. and I'm not, I think I, I did before this, I looked up the like actual definition of agnostic. Mm-hmm. There's like a little chart that's actually really interesting. Okay. Okay. So agnosticism, that's, I'm going to mess that up. Um, there's a couple like different versions. One is, and they're both essentially the same thing. One lacks the belief in any God, but doesn't claim to know with 100% certainty. And on the other side is they believe in a God of gods, but doesn't claim to know with 100% certainty. And I think I fall into, I lack the belief of God. For me, it's just a little far-fetched, mm-hmm. but um, I don't know with 100% certainty. So I think that's really interesting that you categorize it because I don't put a label on my religious beliefs right now. Like I wouldn't necessarily say that I'm agnostic because I don't really know. But if I did say I was agnostic, I'd probably be on the other side. The person who like believes in God, but has a lot of skepticism about whether or not that's actually true. Um, I think that you are agnostic, like just based off of like. Yeah, but I don't really like labels that much. Yeah. Like if you wanted to label it, Right. And you that's what I would like use. You needed to, and somebody asked, like, you could use that. And, mm-hmm. and I think that would be accurate. And, yeah. um, and, and I, I actually like want to talk about that. Like, why, why would you feel uncomfortable using that word? I don't know that I'm uncomfortable using the word. I just like, I have gotten more comfortable recently and this goes beyond religion. Like, not labeling myself. And I don't know if that's like a queer experience because when I first came out, I was like, I Mm. must label myself. Like I must label my sexuality and I must label my gender and I must figure out my pronouns and like all that stuff. And like that stuff really occupied my brain for a long time. Um, and it got to the point where I felt really pigeonholed and like stuck And like, when I first came out, I was like, oh, I'm a bisexual. And then I was like, oh, nope, I'm a lesbian. And then I was like, oh, I'm pansexual. And then like, I've had some other deeper conversations with people who know like about demisexuality or asexuality and what Mm -hmm. it means to be on the ace spectrum. And like all of these different labels that we have for like who we are and how we experience life. And I just have decided that like, I don't want to talk about it anymore. I completely respect and understand people's needs to categorize themselves in a variety of different areas based on their life. And I used to be that person who really felt comfort in like, this is who I am. It's not that I don't think it doesn't fit me. And it's not like I feel uncomfortable using the word. Like 
I'm not, you know, like avoiding it necessarily, Mm -hmm. or I don't think that I am, but I don't feel the need to like put any kind of label. If somebody asked me like, what is your religion? I'd probably like in a survey, check agnostic. Like, oh yeah. Fine. (laughs) In a survey. That's right. Like in a survey, I would check that box. Yeah. Um, like that's great. But like in an everyday conversation, I don't really feel the need to be like, yep, this is what I believe in. Cause I don't really yeah. know. And I'm still trying to like sort it out. And I would say like, if people usually ask, I use the word spiritual now, mm-hmm. like that's usually what I just say. Like I'm a spiritual person. Like I love that word spiritual. I think that, um, at least the way that we've used it in like recent times, I think there's a really nice connotation with it yeah okay some fast facts really quick because then i want to have some conversations um briefly about these facts so at the end of 2021 a pew research study found that 29 percent of u.s adults say they have no religious affiliation that increased by six percent from 2016 so from 2016 it was 23 percent to 2021 it was 29 percent and the argument is that millennials are leading the shift away from organized religion and just for like a broader understanding um the silent generation which i don't really know why they're called that um people who are born from 1928 to 1945 i don't know why this article says that Um, but in that generation, people born 1928 to 1945, 85% call themselves Christian, um, less than 56% of millennials call themselves Christian and 40% of generation Z who were surveyed indicate that they are unaffiliated with a religion, whether that be agnostic, atheist, or quote, nothing in particular. In summary, their argument is nearly a third of people in between the age of eight and 35 have no religious affiliation. Mm -hmm. And pastors are noting that reaching a younger audience is one of their primary concerns. 12% of pastors surveyed say that that is their number one concern that millennials and Gen Z are leading the charge and leaving the church. And usually when they come up through adulthood, if they don't have a church family by like the time they're going to college and don't continue to stick with religion, there's um, a very small chance that they would return to religion later in life. And this is like Christianity in general. Yeah, this is Christianity in general. There's not a lot of information there. It's mostly just like the Pew Research Study, that first one, that was like 29% of people are unaffiliated with a religion. It's just like a broad US um, note. The other other percentages are all like Christian specific. But I'm curious what you think about the idea that like, millennial and Gen Z folks are like leading the charge against religion. Right. And like disaffiliating right at a younger age, um, and not kind of coming back to the church. Why do you think that is, do you have any idea? I I have a couple things that I'm, you know, workshopping a little bit in the noggin. Um, first of all, the internet, we are, 
super proficient in the internet. We also recognize how to filter through bullshit. Whereas I feel like in the 60s, like, you go check out a book and, like, chances are that book is probably, you know, there's a lot more trust in the information that older generations have um, for a valid reason. And we distrust it for our own valid reason because we grew up with the internet. So that's, I think, a huge part of it. Second of all, I think that along with the internet and, and we're starting to be a little bit pickier in the information that we believe, a, little bit, a few more people based off of that are leaving religion. Mm-hmm. And then you pair that with the idea that I personally, this is, this is my theory, I think that if you're if you are like on the fence and you could be swayed one way or the other, the deciding factor is who your partner is. Mm. So if you end up with a partner who is religious, you go along with that. Yeah. You end up falling in love with somebody who's not, you end up going along with that. Right. Yeah. So I think that there are there there are less people that are religious and we're also a lot more, and maybe this is me projecting, but like <laughs> we're a lot more like desperate for love because like dating is such a hard thing right now and and there's a lot more freedoms that for when it comes to dating and so when we do want to settle down where um I think religion is low on the list of of priorities of what we want in a partner and so if if religion if maybe I'm a little bit religious and that's low on the list and I find somebody who's not religious at all I'll tell myself oh like I'll still, still keep going to church but they don't have to um that's okay and then like 10, 20 years later, like I've stopped going to church just because that's it's hard to do if your partner isn't like that or vice versa. So those are my two big things. I, I think that um, because less people are religious, that's affecting how we're partnering up with each other. And then it's just a snowball effect. Yeah, I, I also, I agree. And I also think that there may not be any merit to this, but something I was thinking about was the way that the internet and social media allows us to connect to people. And I feel like churches were a way to connect to people in your community, <laughs> like geographically, but also just like keeping in touch with folks. Right. And now that we have like Instagram and Facebook and TikTok and whatever, like Almost too much, right. Too many things. We don't feel the need to like catch up in that way, in the way that a church offers, right? And there are more resources outside of churches where like back in the day, like in the 50s and 60s, the church was the primary resource giver because they had money in neighborhoods, right? Like churches were able to provide daycare and they were able to host clothing drives and food like trains for people who got pregnant and like, they still do that today. But I think there are ways that we do that. Like people post on Facebook to do meal trains now and like give to people in their community. And, um, there are advertisements for, for daycares and and babysitters and all of that stuff that a church might've been able to give you resources for that. You can now use the internet to find. And I also think, totally. I also think with the increase in negative press, <laughs> yeah. you know, before, like you said, when there wasn't the internet and there wasn't, you know, mass communication in the way that we have it today, 
those small towns could really determine what was being read. And that is one of my arguments for like misinformation. People are so concerned about the increased misinformation, which I think we should be, but you have no idea what like local papers were printing in like the 50s, 60s, and 70s. There's no control over that. And everyone's like, well, you need to trust your local paper. I'm like, yeah, you're talking to a journalist. I understand the value of local news, but Mm -hmm. you still have no idea what was posted in your local newspaper in 1965. And so I think when you have things like the spotlight movie and Scientology documentaries and, um, all of these, you know, new docu series on LDS church and, and on Mormonism, like people's eyes are being opened to kind of these negative aspects of religion, mostly because churches in my experience are obsessed with power and money because that's what, that's how you gain influence in our country is, is being a powerful, you know, community or organization with a lot of money to spare. I think people are calling that into question now and, and calling into question what churches are actually supposed to be doing and the people who are in charge, are they actually leading or are they just working to get more people, get more influence and make more money? Here's a thought or just, just something that I was thinking about. And and I wish I could remember this where I got this. Um, but I was really starting to question like the Catholic church and I was thinking to myself, is the Catholic church going to die out because of all those stats that you talked about um, and, and how like they don't really cater towards younger people. Um, and so I was like looking into that and, and I was reading up on this concept that in the West, all of the, all of those stats that you provided were true and that religion was on a decline in the Western hemisphere. However, everywhere else it's thriving, it's going up and up and up. Yeah. And, and a lot of the countries that were referenced were all like third world countries. And like, you can make the assumption that we're going to these countries and providing help and humanitarian efforts and also getting them introduced to religion. And, and so with that said, it is interesting to hear about how on this side of the world, this is not like we're, we're really running away from it. And, and I think that sometimes I have a false sense of like, oh, okay, more people are questioning things. But in reality, I, I think, and, and I wish that I had this, this stat, but I think religion is on a rise, the rise globally because of that. And, and I think sometimes it, it did cross my mind the question of, you know, if if we are providing humanitarian efforts and, and there are, and I don't want to like, I don't want to put on that like third world countries have this issue, but sometimes Christianity or religion in general can be a, a decent moral compass, not a good moral compass, but it can sort of develop your own morals. Um, is this such a bad thing that they are going to these third world countries and helping them and giving them a moral uh, structure that they can live off of? Is that so bad? And and I don't know enough about it to be able to say like, oh, it's fine. I think that like you said, uh, they're probably painting it in such a beautiful light, but what's actually going on, um, I don't really know, but. Yeah, I think there's a lot of complaints down that line are a lot of criticisms about 
kind of the, I don't want to use like the word whitewashing isn't the right thing, um, but like white saverism that happens. It's <gasps> yeah. usually, it's very um, racially tied, right? So like Christians specifically will like go to these third world countries where it's usually a bunch of black and brown folks. And they're like, mm-hmm. let me save you with my white God, <laughs> you yeah. know, like, and, yeah. and that, that is an issue. Right. And we, that's another topic for another time, really. Like we could get so far into, like mission trips, but it's that kind of stuff has been called out. And I think there's totally like nuance there, right? Like <laughs> you can say this thing is good, but also bad. And here's how it works. And yeah. so I totally agree with you. And I also wonder too, do you think that when like people in our generation really start having kids that they'll go back? That's such a good question. I don't think so. Hmm. Um, but I, I do think that there is just like everybody else and, and how you can easily get into this. I think that we are kind of in our own little echo chamber because mm. I think that there are still tons and tons and tons of, you know, United States, North American millennials who go to church every Sunday. Oh, yeah. And they're going to that, that yeah. mega church at concerts that they do every Sunday <laughs> and that kind of thing. So, but, but I don't think I, I, question if we are finding religion again later in life I I don't think so Mm -hmm. so I wonder like if you have kids or like if your spouse dies or if your parents die like are there there has to be stats on this too I didn't look it up in the future we will but like if are there like life moments right where you like seek out organized religion again and like is it only people who say like they believe in god but they don't have a church family right now and like a church home and then they find one because they had a Mm -hmm. child and now they need something you know i wonder about that and and i totally agree with your argument that like yes in our world it feels like a lot of people are leaving religion and i would probably argue that like on the grand scheme of things in the Western culture, there probably are more people leaving religion, but it doesn't mean that the number of people practicing that religion is necessarily going down. Right. Like it's just not growing at the pace that it would be growing. If all these people didn't leave, like take like the LDS church, for example, right. Like a ton of people, it feels like in my world are leaving or questioning their connection to the LDS church. There's a lot of people out there talking publicly right now about the LDS church and their experiences. However, I totally agree with your argument that the LDS church is probably growing on a global scale. It's just not growing yeah. as quickly. And so, yeah, I don't think religion is going anywhere. I don't think it's dying out, but I do think that at least it seems people are more comfortable questioning and becoming more comfortable leaving if that is what they would prefer to do versus feeling stuck in their religious community and not leaving. Granted, there are tons of people who feel stuck who will never leave. That's just the truth of the matter. Totally true. But I do think maybe if we continue to have these conversations about what it means to question religion and possibly leave, that more people would be comfortable with that. Yeah. So any final words? Um, I just like have so many follow-up thoughts and and questions that this, this needs to I just think this conversation needs to keep going in different episodes and, and we should definitely do a part two. And, and I definitely want to do a podcast on Scientology specifically. Yes. Yeah. Don't worry y'all. We'll have a lot more conversations. I think about religion. I definitely want gonna, to continue to have them. 
pop off and the religious last thought. Um, if you're listening to this podcast and you have never looked this up, you should look it up. Have you ever heard of the term conspirituality before? No. So it's the connection between people who are spiritual. Usually like right now it's been used in like yoga, wellness, holistic health spaces. Okay. And they're the likelihood that they would also believe in conspiracy theories. So like if you're spiritual, right. And like you believe in God or like you are spiritual in like the yogic sense, you're more likely to believe in conspiracy theories. It's wonderful. There's an entire podcast, little plug called conspirituality. It's a pretty good podcast. Um, the guy, I follow him on Twitter. One of the guys that runs it. Um, it's a super cool concept and it's something that I am going to be looking into more as I start a book project on the wellness industry. And so I'll definitely want to talk about that later, but that connects to this. And I think you'd be kind of into that. So if you've never heard of conspirituality before, and you're listening, look it up, go check out the podcast, see if it's something you'd be into. Um, I think this is a plug for, if you are listening to episode nine and episode 10 is already out, you should better go listen to it because it's our friendship (gasps) origin story next week. And I'm really excited. It's going to be so fun. I'm really excited. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for being here with us. Um, If you haven't already, follow the podcast on Instagram. Follow us on Instagram. Everything's in the show notes. Mm -hmm. Uh, Be sure to rate the podcast and subscribe. Um, So if you have yet to give us five stars for the podcast, please do so. We'll love you forever. Mm -hmm. Okay, we'll see you next time. Bye, guys. Bye.